Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where Fine is a Four-Letter Word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Have you ever seen those memes that compare the co-stars of The Firm, Wilford Brimley, looking elderly at age 56, and Tom Cruise looking young at 56? These memes show us that these days, people are aging much more gracefully, or at least not according to the same timetable they used to. Did the timetable ever make sense to begin with? Is there supposed to be a specific age where we begin to question whether fine is a four-letter word? Kimberly, or Kimby, Samson grew up without a lot of specific values. It was more like learning through modeling rather than by teaching. Her parents showed her an example and she was expected to follow. There wasn't a lot of conversation. When it came time for her bat mitzvah, she was told she couldn't have one, and she'd get a big wedding instead. Oh, and did she? Kimby got the most fabulous, amazing wedding, as she says, the wedding of her mother's dreams. In this episode, I didn't ask Kimby about that specific moment when she realized things weren't fine. It was implied that since we were talking about the midlife crisis, especially as it pertains to women, hitting midlife is when we're supposed to begin facing those questions. For Kimby, it was finding out she had done well in her career in her great marriage, and with her three wonderful children, and also seeing that she was bored. Her journey was to find her mojo again, and then she wrote a guide to help you do the same. Her recently published book is appropriately called Fuck This, Practical Advice to Get You Through Your Midlife Crisis. In a moment, when you meet Kimby, you'll get a new point of view about this midlife time. You're looking to push an easy button, change your career, reconnect with your dreams, and take this pill. What if it's not an easy button, but more of a matter of taking one small step at a time? Maybe instead of big milestone celebrations, make every moment a small party. Allowing your curiosity to take you on a journey where one thing leads to the next, and you'll discover things you never thought possible. If, like Kimby, everything in your life is good, but you're still bored, The five easy ways to start living the sabbatical life guide is for you. Once you read it, you'll discover a counterintuitive approach to making intentional changes in mindset and lifestyle. You'll learn how to own your feelings and your struggles so you can address them. And find out how to face fears, step out of your comfort zone, and rewire your beliefs. It's only seven pages, so it won't take you long to get through. The five tactics are simple, but you could find yourself seeing that What you're told is not fine actually is fine, and you're destined for a different, more personal journey. When you're ready to say fuck being fine and fuck those who say you're not fine, then this guide is the place to start. It's time to blaze your own trail and allow your curiosity to take you on a new quest. 
Go to zenrabbit.com right now to download it for free. Now, let's go meet Kimby. We're going to say some four-letter words, but it will be fine. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Kimberly Sampson. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori, for having me. It's fun to be on the other side for a change. Yes, because we originally met when I was a guest on your podcast. And yes. you're still doing that, right? The podcast? Yes, the, the Midlife Podcast um, is still ongoing, as is my yeah. midlife. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, right. We are still there. Still, still in that stage. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but we're not going to dwell on that because I know that was, uh, and we'll get to talking about your book too, which is kind of a, a little bit of a rage against the, uh, the midlife movement, if you will, (laughs) which I love. I can't, yeah, we'll get into that. But I want to start first with the whole, the question that I always ask, and that's what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with? That contributed to oh. you becoming who you are. Wow, that is a fascinating question. Um, the values and beliefs, you know, I think one of the um, interesting parts at this time in our life is reflecting back on our upbringing. I think that in this moment where we have the opportunity to have this expansion, this huge moment of growth in our own lives, it's natural to look back on our childhood. <laughs> And I think that for me, um, it wasn't very structured. So I don't know that I'm going to answer that question with some sort of value or leave. I think that there were messages that were delivered, but not as some sort of character building ex- exercise. I think the messages were all external and by modeling rather than by true like teaching, which is something I'm trying to change with my children, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think a lot of times what we pick up from childhood is not explicitly stated. It's, of course, by watching our role models, whether those are <laughs> yeah. our parents or or uh, I was going to say colleagues, but um, friends, you know, schoolmates, uh, teachers comes from everywhere. Yeah. And I think a lot of those beliefs are just mostly expectations of what we're supposed to be when we're grown up. And I feel like for our generation, we were in such a rush to grow up and there was not a lot of time growing up or at mm-hmm. least effort in the growing up. It was just like you were supposed to be grown up and the expectations were, you know, for me and the you know way I grew up that, that there were certain things I was supposed to do. There was a roadmap um, and there wasn't the encouragement or opportunity to ne- necessarily take a different path that didn't even mm-hmm. know was possible. Yeah. Well, I remember in our pre-show call, you mentioned um, that you were, there were expectations um, that were set for you that like, yeah, you yeah. didn't, there, there wasn't a different path. You weren't shown different paths. You were just like, this is your path. Walk it. Yeah. I mean, I'll even share like a, a funny but like awful story is uh, I am the eldest child in my family and my younger brother was going to be bar mitzvah. And I was like, well, wait a second. I wanted a bat mitzvah. My mom goes, you don't need a bat mitzvah. You're going to have a wedding. So like, oh, there was all that. Uh, it was it was <laughs> that's a good one. Right. So there was that is a good going to be a big party. There's going to be a big party. But your big party is going to be because you're going to get married. <laughs> 
not because you're going to okay. participate in an well, important religious ritual. Ritual. <laughs> like, see, okay. now, now, when you say that, I'm thinking. You say that, I'm thinking, wow, I wish I had your mom because I fought tooth and nail because I did not want one. And they forced me to do it. Mm. I didn't want Bob. And now I really think about the fact that you did it. Is it still nope. like, are you still angry that you had to do it? Or you don't appreciate that I, you did I it? have let go of the anger because that's uh-huh. not serving. But I don't look back on it and say, boy, that was a good decision. I'm glad they made me do that. No. I th- I felt like I was disrespected for my viewpoints because I was only a kid and I get that they were trying to do what they thought was right for me at the time. But uh-huh. my views around religion were not respected because I was only 13. It's so funny. I'm, I'm totally having a mom moment like I did this morning with my 11-year-old. <laughs> okay. So you're going to hate this, but I feel like we're friendly enough that I'm, I'm going to yeah. be myself. Yeah. Right? Okay. Right. So... For instance, this morning, my 11-year-old, he stayed home sick yesterday and then had a miracle cure as 11-year-olds do. After a day off from school, got dressed in shorts and it's January. And I understand, like I live in Los Angeles, not like really inclement weather, but it's cold for us here. He gets dressed in shorts. Uh-huh. He hasn't worn shorts the entire school year, but today he chooses to wear shorts. And I said, uh, what are you doing? You, you can't wear shorts. And he's like, um, it's not your decision. And I laughed and I said, you're quite mistaken. It is my decision. <laughs> you're not leaving the house in shorts. Yeah. So to your 13 year old self, while I admire that you were forming your own opinions, I don't know that, you know, you're part of a family with traditions and the tradition in your family at that moment was at 13, you participate in this ritual and you get to change whatever that is. And if we're positive or negative, when we grow up, we get to change. Yeah. Yeah, what we do or don't like about ourselves, right? Right, right, right. Or lean into what we yeah. do like, change what we don't like. So yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, it's I just think, interesting. I think you're a rebel. I think that's awesome. I think your rebellion started early, and I think that's a good quality. Absolutely. But back to you. So <laughs> <laughs> told you, I don't like the so, other side of the microphone is hard. So then, so then. Just, I have to ask, did you have a big party for your wedding? It was the wedding of my mother's dreams. Okay. For sure. It was pretentious, over-the-top, ridiculous, dumb waste of money. Everyone says it was like the greatest party they've ever been to. Mm-hmm. But you didn't feel like it was a it was that great of a party for you. Unlike brave Lori, I did not even understand that I had a choice in the matter. And and frankly, I think I went along willingly because I didn't even stop to consider that I would maybe want something different. So I can't uh-huh. really blame the powers that be. Never even occurred yeah. to me to question it. But something that is different, uh, maybe a little different, is that you're still married. I am super happily. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. well, this I mean, is my other. So one of so one of the things that I write about in the book, I write about marriage a lot. Because I think that marriage is like a really interesting thing to discuss. I think there is a lot of pitfalls. I think there's a lot of unhappy people that that are right and need to make changes. I think there are a lot of unhappy people that are blaming external forces for their unhappiness. So I talk about marriage a lot. And I, and I really try to walk 
you know, it's like a hard dance because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to discount anybody's feelings. I don't, I cannot judge what somebody else's situation is. But one of the things that I say in the book about marriage is I think that having a wedding is the dumbest thing ever and nobody should ever have a wedding. I think you should have a very small ceremony where you have your like closest family and friends. And then if you make it 25 years and if you are gloriously happy and you want to keep going, then you deserve the big part. That's how I would flip that. I like that. I like that. That mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. Unfortunately yeah, for me, I'm... I would have that big party. Oh, so can you you could still have the big big party now? I, I mean could, you could still I've have it. Three children. I could, but I don't want it, right? I'm just oh, saying yeah, like if there was ever done time to be a celebration, right? Like that would be a good yeah. point. Time yes. to do it. Oh, I agree. Um, I don't I agree. Uh, so I'm just like flipping that yeah. you know, ritual, I guess. Um, but I'm I don't kind need of the about, like, let's have all the parties. Let's have all the parties that we can have. Like, let's have a wedding party. Let's have a 20 year and, and 25. And let's just keep parties going. Yeah. All kinds of celebrations. And I guess it depends, it depends on your like definition of party, because I kind of feel like I'm sort of throwing a party for myself every day. Every day is pretty entertaining. I don't yes. know that I need to always have guests because those are a lot of people to feed and clean up after. So I don't know that I always want to that have guests. That is true. I like that my own party. True. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned how you followed on this path because that's the path that was laid out for you and you never bothered to question. But at some point you did. Where Where did that come up? Like where? what happened that you went, wait a second, I don't have to follow this. There's more than one path. Maybe I want to go down a different one. Yeah, I don't know that I could follow a different path, except that I very intentionally confirmed my path. And mm. that's not a cop-out, because there was a moment in my life, and I talk about this in the book, where like I was definitely having a midlife crisis. And that crisis was a crisis of self and not a crisis of my external situation. My crisis of self was, you know, I really think you know, I don't, it sounds like awful to say, but I'm just saying like invalidating myself. And I hope that everybody listening can validate themselves. I know I'm really smart. I know I'm really capable. I know I can learn anything. I know that I had tremendous opportunity um, in careers over the time of my life. Um, and have being a person that maybe was trained, but also felt very validated by things like grades and how much money I made and the titles that I've held came to a certain point where I went, well, holy shit, um, I'm wife and mom. And then and I, and I was thinking to myself, that feels like that's it. And that's such a, I really, I'm kind of shameful in saying that because I'm very good at those things too. I'm really proud of the family we built and I don't want to minimize the efforts of being a stay-at-home mom, which I was, I am, I mean, I work for Paul, I still consider myself a stay-at-home, you know? But um, it was really like a disappointment in myself and um, I was kind of being an asshole to myself. Were you disappointed right? because you felt like you should be doing a lot more? Um, I think I was like you should be having an external, like a big external uh, career, like a, like being a, a mom and a I wife. I think it was like a lot enough. of anger. Right, yeah. I was a lot of anger because I don't think that I. I think it's a lot to ask of women. And people do it and, you know, good for you. I think it's a lot to ask of women to have a high-powered career, to be exceptional in your career, and then also be uh, available 24-7 for your family and 
even when I was working full time um, for a short stint outside of the home, when two of my children um, were little, um, you know, at least it was this way for me. I still was the one that took responsibility. It wasn't placed on me. I took the responsibility of the marketing, the cooking, the laundry, like so all those kind of very traditional female roles. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think the disappointment myself was that I hadn't continued on that path when I did go back to work to stay on it. It was just kind of like a feeling of emptiness of light of not really appreciating all the things that I was doing, not taking the opportunity that I had to continue developing, even if it didn't look powerful to people outside. You know, so like I had stopped mm -hmm. learning. I had stopped like producing anything um, I, I was really bored and I was bored with myself. And I think that was the shame of it too. Yeah. I was just going to say right before you said it, um, it sounds like you were bored. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. And I think yeah. a lot of women get there and, right. and instead I, what I'm proud of is I took responsibility for I'm bored, not people are making me bored. Right. Well, everything comes back to ourselves because we only have yes, hopefully the ability to the only thing we can change is ourselves. And in order to change outside circumstances, we have to change ourselves. And so, yeah, it all comes back to that personal responsibility. Yeah. And I think that that's what I try to do in the book. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be pissed off when they read the book. A lot of people are going to stop reading it. Good. A lot of people are going to be offended by it. And they're going to be offended by it because basically my message is in a loving, non-judgmental way is shut the fuck up and take responsibility for your life. Create the life you want. Uh, if you don't know what you want, that's okay. Just start walking a path. The light, you know, the path illuminates itself. Just get moving. Just do something. Yeah. It, well, it's right. Taking that first step. There's that Martin Luther King quote about the, the staircase. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. And yeah, I once believe in that put yourself in action more reveals itself to what's your totally. next step what's your next step and and I talk about this a lot too and probably talked about it on your show about finding the ability to get quiet enough to hear your own inner voice and what is it telling you to do because that's how you that's how you figure out what to take what steps to take that's taking inspired action instead of just like running down a path like your hair's on fire because somebody told you to go that way. Yeah. And I think I know I feel, certainly feel this way that I lost touch with that voice inside, didn't trust that voice inside. Mm. Um, and I think getting back in touch with that voice is like a really powerful moment in your life. And also not to blame the voice and not to think the voice has all the answers either. Just whatever. This is what we're doing today. This yeah. is what it feels. This is what it feels right today. And I have the right to change my mind if it, something else feels different later. Yes. That's another point, too, that people get in this place. They're like, well, every decision or every choice is like forever. Right. And, and they put totally. so much weight on it that they're afraid to make the wrong choice. Yeah. And so they make no choice. And I, this just came up in conversation earlier today. Uh, somebody asked me if I like Rush, the group Rush. Mm -hmm. And I, I bring up that song. Uh, there's a line in one of their songs. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Totally. I totally agree yeah. with that sentiment. And to not feel yeah. like flaky 
if you don't right. want to make a choice or you change your mind. It's okay. Yeah. Like, who are you answering right. to? You're only ans- answering to your like inner inner core. Right. And and to you, um, to what you said earlier too. Like, fuck them if they them being whoever is outside of you, if they don't agree with you or they don't see your way of thinking. And it's not your job to convince people. Right. If they want to come along for the ride. Great. If they don't, that's okay too. But I love yeah. that you're I mean, inviting offer, critics. Yeah. Yeah. All I can do is offer, and, and it is opinion. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I like have no right to tell, I'm not, and I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life or what to do with your life. I'm just giving you my opinion. I happen to have very strong opinions. I tend to convey them in a slightly humorous um, and entertaining way. I use a lot of stories. I use a lot of my own fuck ups and I just hope people have a good time and are willing to wince a little bit and look inside. That's just what I'm hoping for you when you read it. It's just go, oh, yeah. that actually hurt. Um, that that stung a little. Okay, why did that sting instead of reacting and saying, I'm an asshole, which you're welcome to that thought too, I guess. <laughs> so. Right, right. Although that does not contribute to growth. So if you're looking to that's grow, not, that's not my problem. That's the other problem, no, right? And I, no, no, that's I, what I'm saying. I'm saying if yeah. somebody's reading it and saying "fuck you," that you're you're yeah. an idiot. That doesn't contribute to their growth, right. as opposed to and looking at a, it and going, "Huh, that's an interesting way of looking at things." I don't agree, but let me think about that for a second and see what you could take away from that. Yeah, I, I, I think there's um one of the essays in the book. I say. Um, you know, that old saying, like, don't shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. It's like if somebody's willing to say to you, hey, that wasn't cool the way you handled it, or I'm not really comfortable when you do that, or I don't like when you, whatever, just take a minute. And if somebody loves you enough to give you that feedback, yeah. just stay with it for a second. Like, maybe there's something to learn. Right. Especially yeah. so if think, it triggers you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think that's part of the growth of the midlife, right? That's that's part of growing up. And I think, I hope I never, I feel like we were, you asked about like values and like that path and stuff. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, I don't ever want to grow up. I want to mm-hmm. continue growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's required of our souls is continuous growth. And when people feel bored or they feel like life is just fine, but it's really not fine. And they beat themselves up because look at all of this that I have. How could I be bored? Like you were talking Mm -hmm. about how you felt. Totally. So they come to that shame and guilt and like, how could I say this? Because look at what I have. It's the soul crying out for more, which is what a soul naturally does. Yes. Yes. I think that's so true. Uh, and feeding and nurturing that soul is so, it's so fun. You know, I talked about throwing a party. Like, that's so entertaining. My goal is to entertain yeah. myself all day long. I do it in lots of different yeah. ways. You know? So I, I think that, and that really is an enriching life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were feeling that boredom, what did you do? What steps um, did you take? What, what? Did you okay, seek out? So, like, how did yeah. you get yourself out of that place to where you are now? 
So I think you take, I think you grab the low-hanging fruit. I certainly did. And that's a lot of what I talk about in the book, too, is like, just grab the low-hanging fruit. And it sounds vain, but like, sometimes all you can do is work on the outside for a minute before you're willing to look on the inside. So especially, and again, you know, I say in the book, I, I can only relay my experiences and it's no judgment on anybody's experiences, but if you can take something from my experience and apply it to yours, that's what I'm hoping for. So all I can do is speak from my experience, but I was at home. I didn't have to be somewhere on somebody else's schedule. I didn't have to show up a certain way for work. So, but just to get up in the morning and like throw on a little bit of makeup, put my hair inside, you know, do something with my very frizzy, curly, weird hair, you know, Put on some clothing that wasn't just, you know, loungewear. Start working out, you know, just like sweating a little bit. So Mm -hmm. it was just those little things. And then I was like, well, okay, what used to make me happy when I was little? I loved horseback riding. Fine. I found a barn by my house. I started horseback riding. It was like, just whatever it was, just do it. I started writing. I started. So, but all these things, like they just piggybacked one after the other and then all of a sudden you start feeling like human again and you start Mm -hmm. getting curious again right but i've always wanted to know about that or i'm interested in that or i want to learn about that and so then i feel like you just sort of start blooming and you start like recreating a life um and also you know i think you and i have spoken about this before with i'm a perf i'm a fairly cynical human being so please know that for these words to come out of my mouth makes like bile come up in the back of my throat but being (laughs) being grateful for what you do have and being present in those little moments that seem like nothing but they're everything is so helpful so oh yay you know (laughs) but it's true i mean the truth is it really like it really makes a difference difference yeah speaking my language thank you from a cynic gratitude actually makes a difference awesome i'm gonna have to use that as like a a testimonial you can you can uh but i mean just like things that was about the mundane of my life i started enjoying right like one thing that comes to mind all the time is like doing the dishes i feel like i'm constantly doing the dishes in my house but i'm like i think about things like i'm so lucky to have hot water I, mm-hmm. It's important to me that my family has clean dishes. And I know that sounds really trite and really mundane, but when you start reframing just like the smallest things that you do for the reason mm-hmm. that you do it, it really turns pleasurable. And I know when you're in a very yeah. like raw and dark place, somebody says that to you and you're literally like, go fuck yourself. But when you can get to that point, it's very, it's very soothing. Yes. And it's, it's, it's actually more uh, a reachable place when you are in a dark place. If you can go wash dishes, like it's not about like going out and, um, you know, singing the praises of life on the the street corner because you're so joyful. It could be yeah. just enjoying a cup of tea and finding gratitude yes. in I have hot water for tea. Yes. Yes, I, I agree. I just know that in my darkest time and I read a lot of those things, like it could not resonate because my defenses were so hard. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So I, I know that places too for people that are listening or reading, yeah, and, you know, whatever. Yeah, and that's what it is. It that's that it is about taking that one small step. What's the one small step you can take 
and starting from yeah. there. Yeah, and just keep yeah. repeating it. Even if it's just one thing, just keep repeating that one thing. And all of a sudden, two things might feel, might feel manageable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I do, and yeah. that's the thing. I think when it's women, we're so, like, I'm not going to just, like, do better. I'm going to take over the world. No, no, no. There's a lot of steps in between. There's a lot of things you can do, little tiny things that you can string together that will make a huge difference. It's not all or nothing. You know, and I write about that, right. too. It's like there is a gray area. Not everything's black and white. Not everything's horrible or great. There's like a, a lot of in between. There's a lot of living and a lot of goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all of life is that gray area. Yes. So if you're always okay. expecting I need like things are either good or they're bad, like that, you're not going to ever be, you don't know what happy is. Happy is not the right. absence of sadness. If that's like just your right. baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Just like courage is not the absence of fear. Yeah. Yeah. I need to ask you about uh, your your current viewpoint of the propaganda around midlife. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> other word to use for it, but I know you have come to a, an opinion about uh all of the what the the talk the... so yeah so the one of the kindest things that my best friend said to me she goes you were just you're just early we're just early on this because i started i started like but i feel like it kind of before it was a thing maybe i'm a few years older than gwyneth or something i don't know <laughs> but like i was talking about it and then all of a sudden like it's a thing but the thing that makes me so um frustrated is the thing is everybody wallowing in the bad part of it and like the commiseration i think women do build community around commiserating i just think it's like a weird natural mm -hmm. um proclivity that we have so i feel like there's a lot there's a lot of the complaining and not a lot of the doing and succeeding mm -hmm. and it's like everybody you know highlighting all I guess the things that you could say are frustrating and challenging about midlife rather than accepting those and moving on okay it's a um yeah about all of the the emotions and the physical things that go with midlife I mean, versus the opportunities yeah, like to yes. grow into who you really are Yes, or who you're going to be today because you get to be somebody different tomorrow if you want to be. But so, I mean, even I just feel like it's highly commercialized at this moment. I think it's mm -hmm. like markers have woken up to the fact that our demographic, like we might have a little money in our pocket now and like we are, you know, good buyers. And I just feel like we're really commercialized right now and kind of makes me angry. And also like all the talk about menopause as if there's like, you know, as if some commercial um and fix that like there's i don't know like i just don't feel like there's like a whole like a holistic view to where we are in life right now and and like the beauty and possibility i just think there's a lot of fucking complaining there is there certainly is a lot of fucking complaining but uh but isn't that how we've our society has that's the direction that all of society has gone. It's like, hey, you know, you want to, you can, you can fix this with a pill. Like everything can be fixed. Right. 
um, right. And, you know, you're, and I if think people are complaining about pain or um, discomfort or whatever. And it's like, oh, just take this pill and you'll be good. Like so that you don't have to feel the emotions or you don't have to do any any internal work for it. Yeah. And that can really piss people off. Like you don't want to do the hard work first. Yeah. Right. So and the hard work is, you know, uh, certainly, you know, your it's your mind, it's your body, it's your habits, it's your eating, it's your like there's all these other things that are, are solutions. And I think that people who can get paid want to give you something for one problem and don't look at us mm-hmm. as like a holistic yeah. being. Right. Yeah. We've never, and I, I think don't think we've and ever been looked at so, that like, way. Yeah. And it makes me so frustrated. Um, and I guess why I'm, you know, raging in my book a lot is because I want everybody to wake up and stop buying into the bullshit. Mm-hmm. We're so much better than this. We're so much better than being reduced to menopause and, you know, empty nesting and you no know, purpose. Like all these things exist as individual silos when they don't like it all goes together all these experiences however yours line up all contributed to who you are today and will all inform who you will be tomorrow um mm-hmm. and there's you know sure there's things to be sad about people are depressed but there's all those terrible things but there's there's lots of different solutions besides somebody selling you something to fix it right yeah but come on Kim, so I, I just want an easy button to- there is an easy button. That's the crazy thing is I think the easy button is the hard work. Like that's what's fun. Oh, but the hard work I think is that's hard. fun. No, it's actually you really rewarding fun. and fun. I know, but <laughs> if you can change your mindset around it, it's entertaining. It is. I'm just, I, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that most people are, oh, where's the easy button? Can I just turn well, it on and watch button. TV and get... So my grandfather used to say anything. They used to tell me, like, when you're raising children, like, tell them they're smart, they will be. Like, tell them they're pretty, they will be. And that was, like, Mm -hmm. really interesting advice because I also don't think I was anywhere near childbearing age when he told me that. But anyway, I think it's funny because I I feel like I do remember it. But I do feel like the opposite happens with a lot of the messaging around midlife is that they're telling you you're sad. Yes. Life is a thing if your children have left home. Your husband's cheating on you. You know, it's like, you're fat. <laughs> like, all I yeah. do, you're like, right. hey, right. you're, you're, <laughs> you're good validating years. all of my worst feelings right. about myself. They right. You're, you're, all your good years are behind you. But you know what could fix it? Buy this. <laughs> Buy this right. thing. And, right. And everything will be good. Yeah, but it won't be. And you'll just keep buying something else because, well, that didn't work. So I'll just try something else. Yes. Right. So they just keep you on the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. I just think there's a better way. I think you think there's a better way. I think we're offering a better way. I think we're setting an example. It's a better way. Like this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. That shit happens out of your control. But mostly it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, I think, when you just said about being an example for other people is the only way to not the only way to live our life. I'm not living my life to be an example for other people, like specifically. And I don't think you are either. Yeah. You're living it to yeah. to feel good yourself. But when we are Recommend. leading 
living our lives this way, it gives other people permission to live their lives, to see what's possible. Just like when we were talking about, as you're growing up, you see what's possible by looking around. Same thing. We don't grow out of doing that. You look around see, and I see what's possible. See, I almost disagree with that. I, for, I almost disagree a short and a small part of that in that I, when the way I grew up, like I didn't even know, I can't even fathom what's possible. I still can't fathom what's possible. I think if you give yourself up to the idea that you know what the outcome is supposed to be, you completely limit yourself. Yes. I think it's so much better than what you think it could be, anything. It's not to say that there aren't failures or setbacks and stuff, but, but. But I don't, uh, I don't even know what's possible, and that's exciting to me. Yes, I I was using it more as, um, I mean, you look at role models to see, right? They're so limiting, though, right? To set your beliefs kind of. about what you believe yeah. is possible, and then as you grow and expand, you find different role models or different um, examples of what could be. That's part of this whole growth process. That's where I'm talking about. Like you look at. Yeah, what other people are doing and say, well, if they're doing that, I could do that. Or if that that looks interesting, maybe I'll try that. Like having when you're expanding what you're seeing, yes. you're expanding the possibilities for yourself. Yes. And I don't I would almost say, like, give yourself the permission to just take like a buffet, a little nibble of what that person is doing looks exciting, a little nibble of what that person is doing is exciting. And then maybe you eclipse even what they have been able to accomplish. Who knows? I yeah. hope so for you guys yeah. listening. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. So you've when is your book publishing? So it is, uh, the ebook is um, available for pre-order on Amazon. The uh, It's delivering and the paperback is available for delivery on February 14th on Valentine's Day. I feel like it's my love letter to women in mid-lane. I feel like it's a Valentine's Day present for you to give yourself or a bestie friend. And it's also a lovely way for you to commemorate my son's 12th birthday this February 14th. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's called Fuck This, Practical Advice to Get You Through Your Midlife Crisis. Um, so you can pre-order it on Amazon and you can actually buy it on Valentine's Day. Awesome. So, so I think that means it will be available when um, when we publish this. Excellent. I know that yeah. weird future thing. I'm living yes. in today, in this We're moment. Living, <laughs> yes, we are living in this moment. And I will have links to uh, to that in the show notes. Thank you, Lori. So make it very easy for people. Before we go, what is your hype song? So it's funny. You warned me about this, this question, and I panicked. <laughs> and I just like picked something random so that I could be a good guest and answer. You know that silly song, like all the boys come to the playground for my milkshake. I don't. It's called milkshake. Yes. I just like put that down to be snarky, but Mm -hmm. I write about this in the book about your soundtrack, and I think your soundtrack, what you're playing, is so important. I think it's what we're talking about this entire conversation. So whether it's like what you're watching, who you're modeling yourself after, what you're listening to, is your soundtrack and can put you in a really like great mood or crappy mood. And the Uh truth is, is that I mean I love music, but when somebody else picks it for me. Like, I loved soundtracks growing up. My okay. husband has a great music collection. My eldest son is a musician and in a band. Like, I'll listen to anything, but I want to feel good. Mm-hmm. And even 
And even like sometimes the wallow and the longing of music is great, but like don't be listening to that all the time. You're trying to have an energetic life, right? Right. Well, music fuels your emotions and your energy. 100%. It's yes. it's a, a, actually, um, yeah, the frequencies affect how you feel. So truthfully, so. like when I said my milkshake, it was a joke, but you know, anything Eagles, Almond Brothers, any kind of like Southern rock. Okay. All right. Let's cool. Run. So yeah. when you're walking up to a stage to speak, what's your, what when that, is that what your walk-up song would be? I, I mean, honestly, different? like, I think the truth is I would have to do a lot of research because there's no song. Okay. All right. It is like my, I mean, my song, my, my like favorite song is Beast of Burden, but that's not a walk-up song. Yeah. All right. It's not your hype, I don't your know. hype song. Well, I think there may can be Maybe two one day things. I'll be on a stage and I will call you and I will say, Lori, you'll never guess. I am, have yes. been asked to speak at, and this is the song I've chosen. So I guess I'll report Okay. That. I will stay tuned. I will stay. I will keep my phone on um, on alert for that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Kimby, thank you so much for joining us today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Lori, thanks so much for having me. As always, it's so fun to talk to you. In my conversation with Kimby, I didn't ask her if there was one specific moment when she realized everything was not fine. Things had already taken a different direction and we just rolled with it. As I listened to her, I found myself quickly writing down a whole list of takeaways. Here are the top five. Number one, the beliefs we're raised with are often other people's expectations of what we will be and do. As you become a whole person and see the world through your own eyes and experiences, you may come to feel these beliefs do not align with the person you have become. This is where many of my guests realize things aren't fine. Number two, just because other people engage in rituals does not mean we have to. Did you know that weddings feature white cakes because Queen Victoria wanted to show off she was wealthy enough to afford white sugar instead of brown? Or that the idea of a best man at a wedding is a leftover from the days when people believed demons might attack the couple? Kimby had that big wedding of her mother's dreams, not her own dreams. And this was a turning point that led her to begin questioning everything. Number three, Martin Luther King Jr. said, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just the first step. Put another way, the first step to get from point A to point B is to take a step, one step toward point B. If you find yourself bored and disconnected like Kimby did, start by doing one thing differently. Explore a hobby. Try something new. You won't see or be able to reach the next step in front of you until you take that first step. Number four, the easy button was created by the Staples marketing team to show how you can solve one problem by shopping at their store. That's what easy buttons do. They solve one problem. They do not look at you as a whole person with interconnected, multivariate parts. So believing you can push an easy button and solve everything creates problems of its own. Number five, by setting a goal that has a specific outcome, you could be limiting yourself. Yes, I agree. You can't hit a target you cannot see. At the same time, when you focus only on one specific outcome, you could end up disappointed and miss out on something even better because you refused to allow all options. 
Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.